You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. We are in a series called The Call. And we are in part three. The first two parts of this series were The Call to Salvation. The second part of this series was The Call to Discipleship. And the next installment this week is the call to service. How many of you believe that you have been called into the service of the Lord? All right. Well, let me tell you this morning, whether you raise your hand or not, you have been called into the service of the Lord. The, the tricky thing about this thing is it can, it can very easily feel like an involuntary draft if you are not experiencing what we spoke a lot about in the first part is hesed. And that's a Hebrew word for this, this deep connection, this love connection with our Heavenly Father. If you are not experiencing love with God, and what that means is love for God and knowing that God loved you first. If you're not experiencing this, this deep connecting love, then when I speak about service, Honestly, friends, it's going to feel like an involuntary draft. And, and, and for the older generation who experienced the draft, the draft was nothing nice. I mean, if you think about, if you know any of your, of your parents or grandparents who were involuntarily drafted into Vietnam or, or, or great-grandparents who were even into the, into the Great Wars, I mean, th- there was nothing nice about not knowing if your number was going to be called. There was nothing nice about not knowing if you were going to have to be uprooted from your family in a place of safety and going to fight a war that many didn't understand was even worth fighting, right? And sometimes I really think that if you are not deeply connected to God, then the call to service can feel like that. It can feel like, like, why me? Why are you sending me? And it feels like dragging someone along to serve the almighty God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands and see if you've ever felt like that. But I'm going to be honest with you. I have. I've felt like that. Like I have to serve again. Like I've been serving or I didn't sign up to do this or whatever it looks like. But I want us to understand this connection with God and really understand even how it feels in the family dynamics. Uh, how many of you have been part of a, a, a group of family that has like a set of chores in the life of the family where everyone has a role and a responsibility to play? Why? Because we are family. And so there, we are understanding there, there, that we are family. And because we are family, there's a role to, to, for us to play. There is service that needs to be done because the very fact that we are family. And how we approach that service can, can um, either make us or break us. I'll just say it that way. Because if we approach it in a way, and, and, and this is no offense to any of you young adults here today, we can approach it as a rebellious teenager who doesn't want to do anything, and, oh, they're making me do this again, and they're making me do that again. Or we can approach it with ownership, knowing that we are deeply connected with our Heavenly Father, and because of this, we want to serve Him. How many of you can say amen to that? Okay, cool. Let's, um, let's kick this off. John chapter 12, verse 26 says this. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. 
So if you remember what I was speaking about when it comes to um, salvation and the call to salvation, the call to discipleship, the call to service, and the call to lead, which is the four parts of this series, that they are progressive, right? You cannot be a disciple of Jesus if you have not been saved. So if you have not received the salvation of Jesus Christ and accepted him as Lord of your life, then you cannot be a disciple because salvation is the gateway to discipleship. Once you become a disciple and you say, yes, Lord, I choose to follow you. Yes, Lord, I choose to follow you and follow your ways, right? This is what was the prayer of Moses. Lord, teach me your ways. So we, we have to know the call to discipleship follows salvation, and then discipleship comes. And then from the call of discipleship, we see this area of service, the call to service. Because I am a follower of Jesus, knowing that he is king of kings and Lord of lords, we now enter into this lordship. So these three areas, the call to salvation is the call to know the love of God. So this is all under the banner of hesed, this love, this attachment to God. The call to salvation is a call to, to know the love of God. This is Jesus the Savior that we are experiencing at salvation. Next, we see the call to follow. And this is, listen, friends, the call to experience the love of God. Now it's this journey with God, but now it's no longer just God the Savior. This is God Lord. He who, who is master and king. And so now this is an understanding of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Next, we see this call to service. And the call to service, listen, friends, is the call to share the love of God. Are you hearing me? So when the call of salvation was the call um, to know the love of God, the call to follow God or to be a disciple, the call to experience the love of God, this call of service is the call for us to share the love of God. Are you with me? Yeah. And this is also understood, this is under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because he is Lord, and because we have chosen to follow him, when we've been enlisted into his service, every act of service that we do in the kingdom of God is designed, listen friends, to share the love of God. I, I, I had to have, have this kind of come to Jesus meeting with, with my young adult kids when they were getting older. And when they wouldn't do their chores, I would express anger. How many of you parents have expressed anger when your kids don't do what they're supposed to do? How many of you parents haven't got anywhere with that anger? Right? Right? It's like, dude, we get angry, and you haven't done this, whatever. Then I had to have this meeting where I sat with them, and I had to let them know, listen, when you don't do your chores, I'm actually feeling dishonored and unloved. I know it can seem like something simple, like taking out the trash, and like, you, you, it's just the trash, you know, you can do it in two minutes, you know, like, right, that's a rational being would think that. But for me as a dad, because I know how much I love you, I know how much I have poured out for you, I know the things that I am willing to do for you and have done for you, this small act of service that I'm asking you to do and participate with us as a family when you, is an act of love towards me, and when you don't do it, I actually feel unloved. I feel dishonored. Right? This, this is this, this has said that I'm talking about, friends. It's not just you're not doing something and so then you're cast out by God, because this is how I believe so many people see service. If you don't serve God, then you're less than. 
and you're not recognizing that it's out of deep connection for God that we actually do this. It's for deep love for God that we actually serve Him in ways that can seem very minuscule. I mean, it, it, it can be in the church, outside of the church. This morning, we, um, Gavin and Anne led us through some amazing prayer points. But one of them was this acknowledgement, friends, that we have been called to be influencers, not just within the church, but outside of the church where God has called us to still serve Him. And so many feel different or less than because they are not serving God in the church 24-7. Listen, whether you work for the church or, or not, you are all in full-time ministry. If you have said yes to Jesus and you have accepted to follow Jesus, you are being enlisted into the service of Jesus, you are in full-time ministry. And let me just define that word ministry for you. Service. The definition for ministry is service. When someone says, I am a full-time minister, what they're actually saying is, I am a full-time servant. Go and, go and, um, I was just going to make myself a lot more busier if I said that. Anyways, I'm going to tell you, come follow me for a day and we'll see. Um, the call to service, friends, listen, I believe was the greatest title a follower of Jesus will ever carry. Servant. Servant is the greatest title that we will ever carry. Um, but in order to be a true servant of Christ, you must, listen, friends, have a true understanding of his lordship, a revelation of his lordship, that he is lord. And if he is lord, then what he says goes. And the things that he asks us to do, the things that he asks us to say, they aren't burdensome because we have a loving relationship with him. And how we serve him is in direct response to our love for him. This connection isn't there when he asks us to do stuff, that it is like dragging the hills. We see this throughout scripture. And I love that scripture points this out. How many of you recognize how much God is not afraid to put out weakness to show his glory? Well, I mean, go look at the Old Testament and look at how many failures. And, and, and this is even an awesome thing to think about when you think about how, and, and I don't know, maybe Brett might have pointed this out um, a couple weeks ago or before, is to think about that God and even the people of God who were recording their history. Think of children of Israel, you think of the Old Testament. They were recording their history and think about how much they did not blot out the bad parts. Because they could Testament, we look at like the life of Peter, we look at the life of Judas. I mean, you think of some of these things, he could have very easily been blotted out to show how to be a perfect Christian. But God doesn't shy away from that stuff. He doesn't shy away from that stuff. He, he, he wants his glory to be seen through unperfect vessels. And so the call to service isn't even based on your perfection or your performance. It's based on your love and your obedience to Jesus. Can you say amen? So as being a servant is the greatest title we can ever carry. Uh, we need this revelation of his lordship in order to be uh, a true servant. Uh, in, in the parable of the talents, how many of you know the parable of the talents? When, when God comes to give an account with those who he has entrusted the talents to, he wanted to see how they were stewarding what he had given them. Or stewarding their ministry, their service to him. And this is the main thing. When the good servant was praised, this is what he said. Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
servant. Friends, these are the words we are going to hear when we enter into heaven. As we are facing judgment and we are being invited into this paradise that has been promised to those who have received eternal life, friends, we are going to be well done by good and faithful servant. It's not going to be well done by good and faithful pastor, apostle, prophet, servant. Servant. Are you with me? This call to serve is based on this and friends, the great commandments, the great commission. These two things set the stage for a life of service. Because if you love God in this deep way that we're talking about, and you learn because of that connection with him and my love for him, that I can love people in the same way, which is the second of the greatest commandments, right? And then we are going to live a life of service that I think is going to be pleasing to God like no other. Sets a stage for service. Service to God, standing for our love for Him, and service to others, standing from our love for them. I wrote down this little thought that I had this week, and it says, when you struggle with the second of the great commandments, loving others, default back to the first. Do it because you love God. Do it because you love God. This is what service looks like in God's kingdom. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 24, read, read like this. Work willingly. Work how? Willingly at whatever you do. Whatever you do, work willingly, listen to this, friends, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Understanding that with that which God has called you to do, those things that you are called to serve and do it unto the Lord, and remember that the Lord will give you, listen, friends, an inheritance as your reward, and, the, and that the master you are serving is Christ. The master that you are serving is Christ. We have to have this revelation when it comes to the call of service. And Jesus is the master that we are serving. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Uh, Unfortunately, I really believe that there's too many reluctant servants in the church today. Going back to that involuntary draft. Numbers being called and, you know, we want to do the Jonah. We're like... Right, God says you're going this way. We're trying to head the other way. Right, there's too many reluctant servants in the life of the church, and I believe it's because of the lack of discipleship. Again, we cannot skip that. We can't skip that phase. We are we are in everlasting discipleship until Jesus takes us home. But I promise you, if there's a lack of discipleship, we are going to struggle to find servants in the kingdom of God. Because you cannot be a servant of God if you are not a disciple of Jesus. Going back to that first person we share. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. You cannot serve Christ if you're not following him. Because if it's like, hey, we would love for you to do this. You're like, okay, I'll do that, but they're not following Christ. Eventually, that person is going to get bitter. Because they, they don't have the grace and that love connection with God to continue in that service. Some people are reluctant due to the lack of, lack of revelation, first and foremost, that they are servants. Right? I mean, I really believe in, in, in every, every generation believes that the 
generation coming behind them is the most entitled generation ever, right? And so I, I, I know my grandparents' generation believed that my parents' generation was, they're so entitled, you know? My parents' generation believed my generation, oh, they're so entitled, and then we believe this next generation, oh, they're so entitled. I mean, but if you go around saying, telling the next generation, you're called to be servant. An entitled generation, like, I know servant. I'm telling you, we see that in the life of the church. We can't find servants because an entire generation hasn't been disciplined or discipled in the way of knowing that they're being shaped and fashioned to be servants of God. Right? So there's uh, reluctant servants in the church due to the lack of revelation that they are servants. Number two, reluctant due to the lack of revelation that Jesus is Lord. If Jesus is Lord, then when Jesus says go, if Jesus says, hey, I need you to go clean the restroom, then guess what a servant does? A servant goes and cleans the restroom. <laughs> Lastly, I think they're reluctant due to a divided love. A divided love. If you have love for something more than you have for Jesus, that when Jesus asks you to come and serve him in some way that might seem very minuscule to you, then your divided love will cause you to not do that. Are you with me? Yeah. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says this. Listen, friends. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve two masters. For you will hate one and you will love the other, and you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved, listen, friends, by money. And so the context of this scripture is talking around man. And another version would say, instead of money in that, in that word, the word is used to man. And that word man means this wealth regarded as an evil influence or false object of worship and devotion. So really what this is, you cannot serve both God and this world system that causes your devotion to be given to it. Because when you're divided in that way, you can't serve two masters. Not in God's kingdom. Jesus says, I'd rather you, you be hot or cold versus lukewarm. Not one foot in and one foot out. You, you can't do that. Just think about this. Um, think about being in the military. You can't serve two armies. Right? Because if these two armies never had to have conflict, you're going to have to choose. You can't serve two armies. You have to be enlisted to one and be devoted to that one. This is what Jesus is asking. He's asking for undivided love. Undivided love. Joshua puts it this way in, in Joshua chapter 24, 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you will serve. So if you're not serving the Lord, then you're going to have to choose who you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates? And so he is talking to the children of Israel who God miraculously pulled out of Egypt through the leadership of Moses, split the Red Sea. I mean, think of the miracles they saw to, to get into the promised land. And along the way, the children of Israel continued to fall away from the worship of Yahweh. 
They continued to fall away from serving God. This God who had done so much for them, brought them out of slavery, was bringing them into the promise that they kept slipping in and out of devotion to this God. And Joshua, the leader of God's people, had to say, you're going to have to choose who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the Lord? Or are you going to serve another God? Is it another the God of the people that we ran into on that side of the river? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites and whose land you're living in now? So is it, is it going to be the God of the past? Or is it going to be the God of the people of, of, of the world around you today? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites where you now live? And then this is what Joshua said. Listen, friends. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. I mean, this is this is a pretty serious task to take. I, I think about kind of as a family that we used to tell our kids all the time. Listen, if we were farmers, then you would be getting up at four in the morning, and we'd be going and we'd be feeding the animals, and we would be going and you know doing whatever it took because we were a farming family. But the truth of the matter is, is that we are a godly family. God has called your parents into ministry. And because we are a ministry family, this is what we do. We serve God. And so if you're going to be in this family, this is what it's going to look like. We go to church. We serve God. We, I mean, you guys can get to take it from there. But, but this, this is a stance that Joshua was taking as a leader of the children of Israel. And he was reminding them that for me and my family, we're serving the Lord. And I think sometimes we put this life of service on the responsibility of service on the church. But I'm telling you, friends, this starts at a more basic nucleus, and this starts in our homes. Joshua was drawing a line in the sand. He was saying, if you aren't serving the Lord, you have to understand that you are going to be serving another master. Master of self, self idolization. I'm the king of my castle. I'm, I'm, I'm the captain of my ship. It could be, I don't know what God that would distract us. I mean, all kinds of things addiction, career. It could be another person. It could be, it could be your love interest. It could be your spouse. I mean, we can uh, uh, make an idol out of anything. And it's that thing that gets more affection and more allegiance than Christ that causes a divided love. And we have to draw lines in the sand. It's for me and my household. We will serve the Lord. I believe it's time for the church to make a stance individually and corporately of who we serve. Restoration LA, this world needs to know who we serve. And it is not Jody Romero's vision. It is not the church's vision. We serve King Jesus. Because if it was about me, if it was about even us, I'm telling you, friends, it's too small for God. I think husbands, fathers, you mothers who are head of your household need to make a declaration again about who your household serves, just like Joshua did. I know so many times that like, we, we don't want to hurt our children's feelings, but at the expense of not hurting our children's feelings, listen, friends, we're hurting our kids' future. We have to make sense of who we serve. 
if you aren't leading your family, friends, all you family leaders, if you aren't leading your family, know this, someone is. Someone is. I'm going to be brutal honest with you guys today. Kids don't normally answer calls that they don't see their parents answer. How many of you remember when caller ID first was introduced into the world? It was like revolutionary, right? I mean, before that, here was the rule, friends. When I was a kid growing up, you didn't know who was calling. I mean, this ring rang, and it was like, honestly, as kids, you don't touch the phone because you don't know who's calling. You weren't able to touch the phone because you didn't know who was calling, right? Caller ID shows up and then the whole world changes. Because now you get to check it, like, who's calling? Who is it, right? right? I mean, this generation now, like, you, you don't know what that is. Because you know it's like, no caller ID, or you already auto- We see it on our phones automatically. It tells us who it is. There, we didn't have that technology, right? <laughs> I want, to, I want to just say this to some of us as, as, as a family. This is more a family unit. This is friends. Some of our kids aren't answering the call of Jesus because they don't know who he is. They don't know who's on that other line. They have to see it. They have to see it. It has to be demonstrated. They have to see it. And somebody better tell them. That's Jesus. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. It's Jesus. I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23. We'll kind of land here and then kind of pull some life out of these next few verses. This is Jesus' call to service, one of the calls to service that we see in Scripture. And I want to pull a lot of uh, some some life out of this thing because I really think that I want to take some stigma off off of kind of what the the world of religion says about service and really what the organic life of serving Jesus looks like. As we are connected to him deeply in love towards him, what service looks like. And so Jesus says this in chapter 23. I'm going to start from verse 1. I think I gave you the wrong verse there, um, Josh. Start with verse 1 and we'll go from 1 to 12. Cool. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So Jesus was just saying, hey, listen, you guys have religious leaders here? These teachers are are the experts on the law of Moses. Listen, friends, they are the experts on the rule book of being good servants of God. They're the experts. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. But listen to this, friends. But don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. It's pretty serious, huh? They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. I'm going to simplify that for us. They are going to tell you how to serve God by the letter of the law, and they're going to hold each and every one of you to it, but they don't live by that letter by themselves or by in their own right. They don't follow the letter of the law like they expect you to. And so it's hard for people to understand how to serve God when they don't see it demonstrated. And so Jesus was telling them, hey, listen, listen to what they teach, because they are experts in the letter of the law, but not in executing it. They don't live by example. And this is why I believe we can see 
an unmature church, that we will see living, breathing examples of what it looks like to serve God. And when we do, we're like, no, not me. Verse 5, everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels, and and they love to sit at the head of the table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They they love to receive respectful greetings as they walk into the marketplace and, and to be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi. For you only have one teacher, and all of you who are, and all of you are equals as brothers and sisters. And this is where, where we see the priesthood of all believers introduced in the new covenant. We are equal as brothers and sisters. This priesthood of all believers is that I'm not the priest who gets to wear the special garment. We are the priests because we are servants to those who minister to Jesus. We are the priests. We're equal as brothers and sisters. Verse 9, and don't address anyone here on earth as father. Don't address anyone as father, for only God in heaven is your father. Are you following me? And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. And then verse 11, listen friends, the greatest among you. Say that with me, the greatest among you. The greatest among you must be a servant. The greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is what we see in the text. If you're taking notes and you want points, here's here's number one. We see the first we see the crowd versus the disciples. In the very first verse, we see um, then Jesus said the crowd um, to the crowds and his disciples. There is a difference between the crowd and disciples. There are a difference between those who hear the word of God and, and are kind of looking in and kind of want something from God, and a difference between those and those who are actually following God. Those who, who don't only hear, but the word would more be in, in the Greek as a cool. They hear with the intent to act on what they hear. This is what disciples do. So those who want to hear what Jesus has to say, and those who are looking in, who want the experience of it all, but then there's those who actually take what he says and do it. There's a difference between the crowd and disciples. You cannot be called into the service of the Lord if you are still part of the crowd. You can't. If you're just looking in and you're just like, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm just here. I'm just checking things out. Like, have you ever gone window shopping in a place you had no business shopping? Right? People are like, hey, you know, can I help you? And you're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm just looking around. Right? There's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of window shoppers in church. And then the crowd. And then, you know, they're kind of like, yeah, no, they, hey, you know, come on. You, you want to have a meal? I'm like, oh, I'm good. You know, yeah, I'm just, we're just here checking things out, you know. Like, there, there, there's not this connection. You cannot be called to the service of the Lord if you're still part of the crowd. Um, if you're struggling to determine if you are all in for Jesus, you still might be part of the crowd. If you haven't entered into a voluntary, listen, friends, if you haven't entered into a voluntary, authentic, loving relationship with Jesus, you're not a disciple yet. 
because Jesus said, come and follow me. As we talked about last week, come and be where I am. Because where he goes, you'll go. And then lastly, for this point, if you haven't voluntarily submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, based on his said, this loving connection to him, you're going to struggle to serve him. You're going to struggle because you're going to be bitter at the people who are asking you to do it. You're going to be bitter at the people. If you don't feel called to service in the house of God, you're going to be so bitter when it comes to doing things for God because it becomes a chore. Number two. First was crowd versus um, disciples. Um, number two is religion versus relationship. Right? First, um, Jesus said, I love the religious experts. They don't do what they teach. They don't do what they teach. So they're actually teaching what is right, but they don't do it. So what we see here is this lack of loving connection to God. Because if they love God, then they would actually be living out what they taught. But they have learned through religious exercise that if we just say the right things, religion, then we're in a good place. But we know those who need loving connection with God the Father, it's not just saying the right things, it's doing the right things out of our love for Him. Are you with me? Relationship. And so when people, when you hear this, you know, kind of Christian cliche thing, hey, I don't, I don't, um, I don't practice religion. I'm practicing a loving relationship with Jesus. That is true, and we should be. But the question is, are we? Are we practicing a loving relationship with Jesus? These religious leaders did it. The religion that they were practicing, listen, according to Jesus, was burdensome. So when we put religion on people and then we call them into the service of God, it is burdensome. I mean, just think about it. How many of you have ever been approached with serving in an area? And it was like, oh. Right? I share this all the time, right? Uh, when Vanessa and I were called to, to lead children's ministry, I swear, like someone dropped, like, a battleship on my shoulders. I was like, it, 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 it was burdensome, right? Like, I was doing it because I was being asked to do it, but I didn't want to do it. And so I was looking at it with very religious lenses. I wasn't looking at it from a holistic act of service. Religion is burdensome. Listen, friends, relationship is freedom. When we, when we get asked to do something for the Lord, it's we're free to do it. We should be excited. We should have some enthusiasm because I'm doing this for the Lord. Right? Religion is man-pleasing. Right? I'll do it. I mean, if the, if the pastor wants me to do it, I guess I'll do it. It's man-pleasing. Yeah. Or we have one. You know, think about your own world. Your boss asks you to do something again, I guess I'll do it. You, you, you do it because your family has to organize another thing that you can't organize it. I'll do it. <laughs> because of man-pleasing, but it's not out of a loving relationship. Right? Relationship is God-pleasing. Because I want to please my Heavenly Father, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for Him. So there's religion versus relationship going on in this interaction of Jesus um, speaking to, to this crowd and disciples. Number three is posture versus position. 
posture versus position. Listen, friends. Position. Jesus said that these religious leaders who were serving him, everything they did was for show. It was for position. Right? They, they wore the garment. He describes this. They wear special garments and extra long tassels. And then and they could open their robes, friends, and they had boxes of Bible verses in there. And why this probably sounds weird and not real too exciting was this, friends. Scripture writing and paper was expensive. I mean, it, 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 was, it was a very serious thing to have scrolls or, or, or the ability to have like paper that was like, I mean, there was no mills. I mean, this was all handcrafted stuff. And for these guys to have boxes of it in their robes, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like going out, you know, downtown, you know, people are like, <laughs> I mean, people sell you things, right? Like, hey, you want to buy this, whatever it is, you want to buy this Rolex or whatever it is. <laughs> I had a relax from Korea one time. It said waterproof by the time I got out of the ocean. It wasn't working in love. Um, position, everything they do is for show. Listen, position, they love to sit at the head of the table. Position, they love to receive respectful greetings. Ladies and gentlemen, so-and-so has showed up to church today. Yes, I did. Position loves titles. Position loves titles. Listen, for Jesus says, don't let anyone call you rabbi. Don't let anyone call you teacher. I mean, a lot of times I get asked all the time, how come they don't call you Pastor Jody? And listen, I am Jody, a pastor. Some of you are, are, are teachers in the life of this church. Some of you operate in the prophetic. Some of you guys have this anointing of hospitality. We don't walk around giving everyone, hey, hospitality person. I mean, we don't go, hey, deacon so-and-so, and hey, pastor so-and-so. Oh, and listen, I'm not downplaying that, because many of us grew up in that. But a lot of this was born out of a religious spirit that you make people call you things to because you deserve honor and respect. And listen, friend, if you consider me a, your pastor, a pastor, then that's an honor of my life. But I don't go around calling you that. And people say, hey, I mean, I don't, I mean, I remember one time, pastor, I had to correct me. I was like, I told my kids, hey, say hi to pastor so-and-so. And he goes, um, you can say hi to me, too. Like, basically say, hey, you know, we don't throw around titles here. But this is what the service, the religious service we grew up in looks like, right? This is, this is what it looks like. And I'm telling you, friends, we have to understand when we are called into the service of the Lord, it's not about title, it's not about position, it has everything to do with our loving relationship towards God and our response to what he's asking us to do. And Jesus has called me to be a pastor here in East Los Angeles to serve Restoration in Los Angeles. But I'm telling you, it's not a badge, and you never see a parking spot back there for me. I wish there was. Yeah. And some of you better stop taking it. <laughs> Position exalts self. And this was what Jesus was against. He was against this type of service. And why I'm presenting these things to you, friends, is because I want to dismantle this religious understanding of service when it comes to our play, our part to play in the kingdom of God. And also our part to play in the world around us and our part to play within the life of the church. We 
you see posture is what Jesus is more, uh, more concerned with. The greatest among you must be a servant. Even if you have high standing in the world around you, you must be a servant. I hope you observe how our leadership functions in the life of this church. They're first to serve. They're sitting on chairs and they're sweeping and they're mocking. They're doing all, whatever it takes because I have had a principle since day one when we planted this church is that we will never ask anyone to do anything that we are not willing to do ourselves. And these small acts of service should aren't be saying, hey, look what I'm doing. Now you can do it too. It's to show you that nothing is beneath us. Nothing is beneath us. The greatest among you must be a servant. Posture matters. Jesus says this, those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. The Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. But this is what's funny. The counter-truth is true. Exalt yourself, and then you're going to force God to humble you. And I'm telling you, I've seen that happen far too many times, and it's not good looking when God has to humble someone. Next point, I want to point out three areas of service as I close. We are called to serve the crown. And I know that sounds very English. But we are called to serve the crown first and foremost. Jesus is our primary love. And because he's our primary love, he is, our primary loyalty is to him. And so our primary service is to him. We are called to minister unto the Lord. This is what we do as a people of God. Worshiping God should not be a chore. Serving God should not be a chore. This should be the privilege of our life, friends. Put that first. Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Put him in his rightful place, everything else just seems to fall in line. We serve the crown first. Next we are called to serve his commission. And I believe this understanding of his commission, we, we find this in Matthew, we find this in Mark, right? His birth, listen, friends, out of the second commandment of our love for others. If we love others, then we are going to go to the nations and preach the gospel and make disciples. If we carry this deep set for God, the, 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 this loving attachment that we have for God, there's going to be a byproduct of loving others. You cannot be in a loving relationship with a holy God and not feel the, the, the compelled to share that with other people. And so if you are not experiencing this love for others, it goes back to the first thing. Do we have love for God? Are you with me? But this calls to the commission to go into the world, to make disciples, to feed the poor, to house those who are without shelter, to serve the widows, to serve the orphans. This is, this is who we are called to be in the world around us. This is what service looks like. Do we serve God in his ways? And lastly, we see the call of the crown, serve the crown, call to serve his commission, the call to serve his church. Him, outside, inside. Are you with me? Many want the benefit of community. Speaking of serving this church, many want the benefit of community, but they don't want the responsibility. 
love the benefit of church, but we don't want the responsibility of being part of it. Friends, we have to consistently remind ourselves that this is a spiritual household. This is a spiritual household. This is a local expression of the greater church. We are not the only church. We are part of the bigger picture. But this is a local expression of it. And I'm telling you, friends, we have to find our place in community. And finding our place doesn't mean we only get the benefits. It means we also share in the responsibility. Vanessa and I will be doing a maturity series that's going to be based on this. I'll just give you a highlight real quick. When you were born into infancy, then your responsibility is kind of little, right? When you become newborn into the, into the family of God, you don't have much responsibility. But as you grow, responsibility grows. Are you with me? Yeah. We're called a service church. We need to share the responsibility. When we refuse to share the responsibility of service, it's called consumerism. So we come in and we consume, but we never produce. And I'm telling you, we, we need more production from the church that Jesus is building. This is a day and age when everyone wants to consume. Everyone wants to stay home. Everyone, I mean, it would be easy, friends. It would be so easy for us to be that church. But it's not what God has called us to. We need to be producers of the kingdom of God. Acts 17 26. Um, you guys probably should know this verse by now. I should share it often. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live in all the face of the earth. Listen to this. Having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwellings and places. Meaning God has ordained the times and the places that we dwell. And if God has ordained for us to be in this time and this place together that we have some serving to do. We have, if we've been called to this time at this place together, then we have some serving to do. Are you with me? If the church is a spiritual household, and every member of the household has a role and a responsibility, responsibility based on needs, and responsibility based on gifting and maturity. I hear so many trivialize a call um, to serve. I say, yeah, I don't know if I'm called to do that. When we think about a spiritual household, there's a lot of things that need to get done in order to, you know, be a part of a spiritual household. And we can very easily feel like I'm not called to do that. Well, I'm not called to take out the trash, but sometimes you've got to take out the trash because there's a need to do it. Are you guys with me? I mean, kids ministry alone is a fun one, right? I, I, it's always funny when I hear parents say, yeah, I'm not called to work with kids. I'm going to say that again. It's funny when I hear parents say, I'm not called to work with kids. You don't have to pay me for that one, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Justin got to lead our children's ministry team. I'm sure, I'm sure they've heard a lot of uh, uh, things. Listen, you may not feel called to homeless ministry, but if I'm people experiencing homelessness showed up at our doorstep, guess what? We just been enlisted to homeless ministry. Right. When you're called to a spiritual family, we, we gotta work with what God has given us, and this is what we do. Because this is this is who's here, and this is who God has called us to work with. And so there's a responsibility of the spiritual household to take care of that. Right? Um, and we may not feel equipped to work with kids, or speaking of children's ministry, listen, or we may not want to work with kids. But listen, friends, um, 
when God calls a people to come together, whether they're equipped or not, it is God who qualifies the call. God will qualify the call. Moses didn't feel equipped to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And I know doing children's ministry feels like that kind of task, but it's not. <laughs> I'm sharing children's ministry just because uh, of my work with children's ministry. It felt like that to me, and it felt like God was asking me to part the Red Sea to join children's ministry. And it just had to come to a revelation that the Bible says He asked more mature believers to disciple younger believers. Isn't that all of our rules? Listen, if, 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 you, if you, I'm just using children's ministry as an example. Listen, I'm not making any more sign up for anything. There's no sign up after today, so you're right. Listen, friends, if you, if you have the gift of teaching, why wouldn't we share that with our kids? If I have a prophetic gift, why wouldn't I share that with our kids? I mean, aren't they a part of our spiritual household? And because we're called together and because we're called to pour into who God has called us to, why wouldn't I share that whether I feel called you know, to be a, a, a children ministry worker or not? And isn't that, isn't that my loving act of service that I want to give what God has given me to this community that God has placed me in? I, uh, um, you guys wouldn't know who I'm talking about. One time, there was a, 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 a young man in life at church who really wanted to preach. I mean, he wanted to preach. And he, he wasn't gifted. I mean, he was a gifted young man. I mean, honestly, this guy would go to 7-Eleven and come back with 15 people. Like, he was a gifted young man. He had this, this you know, kind of desire to preach. and said, hey, you know, show me a preach. Tell me what's up. And I would love to have you minister to our young adults. Let's see how it goes. I mean, he was, he was a bit younger, so he felt like he might have some connection with them. So he ministers with them. Everything goes good as far as I understand. He comes back to me. I'm like, hey, how did it go? And he goes, come on, give me kids. Like, what? That was a really huge check in my spirit. And not just kids. They're part of the spiritual household. They're part of the spiritual household. How do you see Children's ministry, toddler ministry, less than what is happening in here. Do we recognize that what's happening in here is happening up there? And there's teachers who have signed up to serve you as parents, to serve me as a parent and love on our kids so that they can grow in the ways of the Lord. I mean, do we recognize that? And this is just, we take that and we apply that to every area of ministry. Every area of ministry, whether we're taking care of this facility that the Lord has blessed us with, whatever it is, we're doing it unto the Lord because we were ministering unto each other. And then we have to even think beyond that. We're ministering to anyone who will walk through these doors. Can you imagine if we never lifted another finger to clean this place? There's a whole volunteer staff that cleans this place. If we never clean this place, and the people who, who would want to walk into this place who we can't even take care of? Like, man, what matters is what's happening inside. Yeah, but Jesus also tells us that people judge by the outside. We have to know that these acts of service make it seem so trivial or even even minuscule in the life of the body. But I'm telling you, friends, this is our reasonable responsibility to a spiritual household. Again, don't stress out. There's no sign-ups today. In 1 Peter 4.10 says this, friends. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use them 
mom's a servant of God. God's giving you gifts. Use them well. Use them well. Whatever it is, use them well. If you can use them just for one person, use it. If you can use it for a group of people, use it. Use the gifts that God has given you to serve others well. These are spiritual gifts. And 1 Peter 4, Peter is speaking to the church. Use your gifts to serve each other well. Christ, we, 
recognize that you are also calling us to serve you, to serve you, to minister unto you. And in our ministry to you, God, you have asked us to take that same love that you have given us and that we have reciprocated back to you and apply it to the world around us. And Lord, I pray for revelation of that. That there's no ministry too small, there's no act of service too big for you, God. It's all the same to you. It's, it's loving acts of obedience to our King. And may we see it as so. Whether we're serving kings or whether we're, we're serving, Lord, those who experience homeless on zero. It's all the same to you. We pray about influence this morning. Lord, you say that they will know that we are your followers by our love. May that be the place that we serve your followers. Our love for you and our love for others. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 How many of you love Jesus? Look at someone next to you and tell someone next to you you've been called to serve him. You've been called to serve him. Now listen, if you feel like you are not serving the Lord in different areas, I want you to press into him. I want you to invoke your relational rights to your loving father and say, Lord, where do you need me to be serving? And then I want you to be faithful to that. To be faithful to that. If it's in the church, be faithful to that. If it's in the marketplace, be faithful to that. I'm telling you, friends, obedience is God's love language. Amen? Amen. Love you. Have a great week. Uh, We will see you next week. Don't forget two services at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Don't forget your kids. If you check them in, we'll see you soon. Oh, okay.